Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, time to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's, I don't know if it's a special Valentine's Day edition of the Miller Frost Show, but we are here nonetheless. I am Miller Frost, your host, and I am here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X, and I assume, sir, that you are continuing your month-long celebration of Black History Month, even though you are fake black. Of course you are, yes. Of course you are indeed. Remember, you can always get hold of me on my email at uh, miller at millerfrostonline.com. And I don't think that parlor is back up, even though they keep teasing us that they will return. They have not returned, but my handle there is at millerfrost. And I also have a site on locals, and that is millerfrostshow.locals.com if you want to see me there as well. And I'm probably long overdue for another column to put up there to, I don't know, rant and rave about uh, about some things. But uh, White Boy Malcolm X, before we even start to dig in, I forgot to ask you last night, sir. So folks, we just wrapped up a two-weekend binge. It took us two weekends to get through 10 episodes of The Expanse. But I was going to ask you, sir, was that the gayest Expanse ever or was it just me? Okay, okay. <laughs> Folks, I tell you what, because we keep making fun of Star Trek Discovery on this program, and if you're like, well, well, Miller, what the hell's wrong with Star Trek Discovery? Well, it is the gayest ship in Starfleet and the gayest show on television because they've got gay people everywhere. They've got non-binary people everywhere, trans people everywhere. They have a couple of token straight people on that show, but they're down in the cargo hold somewhere. But that show is as gay as can be, and we were watching The Expanse, which, by the way, is a really, really good show. Don't get me wrong. It's on... Uh, Amazon Prime, and they just wrapped up their fifth season, I believe. But it was pretty good, but uh, they had a couple of uh, one-too-many token queens on the show. I'm like, damn, they're not trying a little bit too hard, are they? And I'll tell you what, folks, as the saying goes, the Lord giveth, but yet the Lord also taketh away. <laughs> We have, folks, not one, but two Florida smoking gun stories For this podcast, I was going to kick one to uh, to Wednesday's show, but I thought, no, I'm going to take the risk and do them both. The problem I'm having is that they're both really, really good news stories, and I'm not quite sure which one is going to be last, but we will figure that out as the show goes along. And yet, as the Lord giveth, the Lord has also taken away from us. And what has he taken from the Miller Frost Show? One of our favorites here, folks— We have not had any teacher bait stories. We have not had any high school teachers banging 14 or 15-year-old boys lately. And there's just been no news stories about that. And we had those for months and months and months. We had so many stories on that. We could have just done whole episodes, whole podcasts on teachers. Now, we have had that creeper at the Lincoln Project. What's his name? Uh, John Weaver, I think is his name. 
We've had him going after 14-year-old boys, but we have not had any teachers. So I have two two great smoking gun stories, but I have no teacher stories. And you know what I came up with White Boy Malcolm X as the perfect theme song? Not that I could play it without getting sued, but the perfect theme song for our the next time we have a new story where a teacher has been busted for banging a couple of high school students, Woman in Love by, uh, by Barbara Streisand. Well, yes, Barbara Streisand. I'm a gay man. If I don't have Barbara Streisand on my, uh, my music files there, I'm going to get arrested. They're going to take my gay card away. So, yes, I have Barbara Streisand. Not, not much. I mean, I think she's a, a loon. But she does have a couple of really good songs, and I, that is one of the songs. And I had it on complete random mode. I have thousands of songs on there, and that popped up. And I'm like, damn, that would be a perfect teacher bait theme song if we were allowed to do that without having to pay enormous royalty fees, which I refuse to do to, uh, to her. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. And if you are new to the program, these are stories where I just didn't want to waste the time or the ink to print them out and go through them. But we are going to have a little bit of rolling color commentary on, uh, on a few stories here before we dig into, into the pile here. First, as I'm sure you are all aware, Trump has been found not guilty. Uh, they could not impeach him anyway because he's not even in office, but they found him not guilty, and those folks up there are just—they're not serious. This is an embarrassment. How unserious that uh, Congress has become. And at 51, I thought it couldn't get any worse. But you know, the dope, that nut job Nancy Pelosi and uh, and Chucky Schumer—they have proved me wrong yet again. And if that's not bad enough, adding to the conservative blacklist on social media, man, we got a couple of them just since our uh, our Wednesday podcast. Facebook has deleted Kevin Sorbo's account. And if you were like, Miller, who the hell is Kevin Sorbo? That was Hercules back in the day. And uh, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, they have now banned Robert F. Kennedy Jr. over COVID-19 vaccine information that he's been putting out. I guess he's one of these uh, anti-vaxxers. And I found a really interesting article that there was so much hand-wringing in the media about banning a Kennedy off one of these social media platforms, because that name is still, I don't know why, because all the good Kennedys have long since passed, but they um, they were uh, really kind of, what do we do with uh, a Kennedy? But they banned him anyway. They got him off. They threw him off of Instagram. Twitter, my favorite, <laughs> all the child porn is, they have gone after James O'Keefe and his Project Veritas, and they have permanently banned uh, the company account. So Project Veritas is, uh, is no longer there, and I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they throw him off a platform as well. What Project Veritas had was a Facebook vice president, and his name was Guy Rosen, and they had him on tape saying that uh, Facebook intentionally froze or freezes uh, via algorithms comments where hate speech may be. And uh, you know how the, uh, the left likes to define hate speech, and if you're like, well, no, not really, Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> there you go on that. Gina Carino. Now, we've talked about her on this podcast several times. They finally managed to fire her off The Mandalorian. And I knew they were going to just keep going after her when she put uh, her pronouns. I think it was on Twitter. She put beep, bop, boop as her as her pronouns. And, you know, the left just hates it when you mock their, their funky pronouns. And that's what she did. A little bit tongue-in-cheek there. But 
They went after her for that, and they have been butthurt since then, and they have been wanting a reason to fire her, and I guess they found it, so they threw her off that show, and they threw her off of all of Lucasfilm's. She's done for good, but don't worry about her, folks. She got a job at the Daily Wire, so she is going to be just fine. I'm not too worried about Gina there. Larry Flint, white boy Malcolm X. Did you know that Larry Flint, who founded Hustler Magazine, he passed away at 78? He did. He did. That uh, I don't make fun of anyone who dies. I mean, I'm sure Larry and I would not have a lot in common. But like I would say to anyone, rest in peace, Larry. Yes, rest in peace, Larry. I would, like I said, I'm serious. I'm serious, White Michael Max. I would, when Nancy Pelosi goes, and I'm not advocating violence, don't get me wrong, but she's in her 80s, right? It's just a matter of time for all of us. Right? I'm 51. It's going to happen to me at some point. But, you know, when, when she goes, I'm not going to sit here and trash her because she's dead. I don't like to kick people while they're down. I'll say, hey, rest in peace, Nancy, and uh, and move on from there. California, my old stomping ground for, I think, around 11 years. They have now passed New York. They have surpassed New York as the U.S. state with the most COVID deaths, and I think they've topped 45,000. So those two states, both blue states, by the way, and both heavily, heavily locked down, have now racked up, good Lord, the number of deaths there, I mean, which are all very unfortunate. But it's funny how the media loves to go after, for example, there's a, what, Christy Nome in South Dakota. I think, I don't know if South Dakota's locked anything. I don't even think they locked their front doors up there. But they, she always gets beat up in the media because she refuses to lock things down. And of course, Ron DeSantis in Florida is another one that they like to whip on. In fact, I think he is their favorite one to uh, to beat up on because he just is not going to lock that state down much. I think they went through a little bit of that, but they've dialed that back significantly. But if you look at Florida and their numbers compared to California and New York, it's not near as bad. But for some reason, every time someone catches a cold in Florida, the media go nuts about it. I mean, there was a Daily Beast article, and I didn't even print it out. This is what the uh, news quick hits are for. I didn't want to print that article out. But the headline on that is, Florida is a COVID nightmare, even for vaccinated people. So Florida apparently is the COVID nightmare. But, uh, you know, they don't want to say anything about California and New York. No, 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 we don't want to do that. We don't want to hurt Gavin, who's probably going to get recalled anyway. And then there's poor dopey Andy up in New York, who's he's in a lot of trouble, folks. He's in a lot of trouble for putting uh, COVID patients into nursing homes and killing significantly large amounts of people and lying about it, which is the worst. So he might get his uh, his butt uh, thrown out as well. We should be so lucky, but, you know, they're just going to replace both of them with uh, as big, if not bigger, clowns. Aunt Jemima, white boy, Malcolm X, because you are fake black, and this is Black History Month. Did you know that Aunt Jemima is now the Pearl Milling Company? It is. It is Aunt Jemima. She is gone. She is out of there. And there was a really funny article. I guess I shouldn't call it funny, but it was a really interesting article on Fox Business. I guess they had two women who portrayed Aunt Jemima back in the day. And they, folks, they are not too happy with PepsiCo for throwing out the Aunt Jemima name. But hey, PepsiCo is woke. It is a big company. It is a woke company now. So Aunt Jemima is gone. Pearl Milling Company is in. And speaking of Black History Month, White Boy Malcolm X, I was on my iPhone, and I am a big Apple person, even though my new MacBook Pro finds new and creative ways to keep crashing. (laughs) Apple, really, fix that damn thing. But Apple Fitness Plus, they were trying to sell me on Apple Fitness Plus. 
And uh, I guess it's because I keep talking about being gay obese. The phone knows and it showed me this. But White Boy Mac and Max, did you know they have a Black History Month section in Apple Fitness Plus? And it like has a headline, Workouts Inspired by Black Excellence. And I'm like, hmm, now that would be interesting. What, what workouts would be inspired by black excellence? So I start looking through some of these <laughs> video things that they've got. And it's just the same old exercises, folks. It's just run by capital B black people. <laughs> it's the same push-ups. It's the same, you know, I guess they have this hit thing that millennials just love to do. But it's the same damn exercises everyone else is doing. They just have black people in the videos. <laughs> so I guess... They are not that inspired if they have the same old videos. But I guess that helps Apple feel as woke as PepsiCo. So PepsiCo can throw out Aunt Jemima and uh, Apple can just get uh, capital B black people filming uh, filming uh, workouts and they can feel woke with their symbolism. White Boy Malcolm X. I saw on Boston.com and I think, sir, I think this is going to trigger a road trip for you and I. Folks, In New England, we have finally gotten our very first selfie bar. (laughs) My God, the millennials are everywhere, aren't they? And it's called the Poor Bar and Selfie Lounge. And it is out in Western Massachusetts. White Boy Malcolm X is out in Agawam, which is next to Springfield on the Connecticut border. It's near my old stomping ground of Northampton. So we can drive out there and watch a bunch of dopey millennials drink their uh, pale ales and uh, take pictures of themselves, <laughs> just like they do in Boston. But I guess they have a uh, a dedicated safe space for doing that moving forward. And I do have some bad news for you, White Boy Malcolm X. If it was not bad enough when the uh, the Boston Celtics traded that strapping ginger Gordon Haywood. <laughs> okay, I don't know if he's strapping, folks, but he's the big, tall ginger. And they got rid of him. And to add insult to injury, White Boy Malcolm X, the... The Red Sox have traded Andrew Benatendi to the Royals. So our eye candy here in Boston is growing dimmer and dimmer as the days go on. So let's go ahead and jump into our news stories. And folks, I got how many stories I got. I got a ton. We're going to try to get to them all, but we will see. And yes, White Boy Malcolm X, we have gay in the front. And I've promised, already promised, smoking gun Florida story at the back. And we've got a mid-pile smoking gun story thrown in there as well to kind of demarcate the halfway point. But our first story is gay, and it is, it's a doozy for you folks with crumb crunchers out there. This is from Breitbart, and here's the headline. Nickelodeon's Blue's Clues brings LGBTQ message to alphabet. P is for pride. And I don't want to know what the rest of the alphabet is. Blue's Clues and You, the long-running children's show on the Nickelodeon cable network, is pushing LGBTQ pride with an alphabet video and song titled ABC Song with Blue. The tune, sung by Blue, the show's cartoon dog, features the alphabet with ideas and words assigned to each letter. But once the song gets to the letter P, the LGBTQ agenda is shoehorned into the lyrics P, the song tells kids is full of pride. To underscore that the lyrics pertain to the LGBTQ agenda, the rainbow flag appears on the screen, but the rainbow flag is not the only one that appears on the screen. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds dangerous. The screen also fills with flags representing the other pride causes, including the trans... So we got more flags, White Boy Malcolm X. That include the trans community, which we knew about here on the Miller Frost Show, asexual community, pansexual community, 
And folks, if you don't know what a pansexual, that's just a snooty way of saying bisexual. And if you don't know what a bisexual is, they will do anyone. <laughs> so they got their own flag too. Damn. The intersex community, the gender fluid community, and others. My God, how many flags do we got in the LGBTQ plus community? <laughs> I guess that's what the plus is for. But we do know, folks, that there are eight gender choices out there, and we do have up to seven sexual orientations out there. That is why we have a an asexual community, a pansexual community, and a that's a snooty bisexual community, and the intersex community, and the gender fluid community, blah, blah, blah. It's like the... I got to see this video. It's got to be the mini UN of flags out there. So all these different flags for all these different folks with all their different uh, their different choices out there. While the song has been posted to the Blues, Clues, and You YouTube channel, it has not yet appeared on the TV during the series. The kids' cable channel often pushes the LGBTQ agenda. Last year, for instance, Nickelodeon celebrated Gay Pride Month with queer icon SpongeBob SquarePants and... White Boy Malcolm X, do you have any idea why SpongeBob SquarePants is a queer icon? Well, I don't I don't know. Some queen out there, if you could send me an email, Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com, I would love to know why SpongeBob SquarePants turns you queens on. <laughs> In 2019, the return of the network series Rocco's Modern Life debuted with a new transgender character added to the cast. Joining a strong push to add transgender and gay storylines to G-rated shows in an effort to normalize LGBTQ characters in kids' shows. Don't worry about that, folks. They're doing it everywhere. As I said earlier, they did it on The Expanse. (laughs) They do it on Star Trek Discovery. They do it everywhere, not just on kids' shows. Nickelodeon became directly involved in encouraging LGBTQ stories by asking the gay advocacy group GLAAD. Oh my God, they went to GLAAD to get involved in the series Production Entertainment Weekly reported in 2019. And if you folks don't know what that looks like, well, neither do I, but I can imagine. I can absolutely imagine what GLAD did. And uh, yes, it probably did involve sending over some queens with clipboards. And can you see that, White Boy Malcolm X? Can you see what GLAD sent over these queens? Oh, hi. Thank you for having us over here. We're so glad to be involved and... We're glad to be from GLAAD, but we're also glad to be involved with Nickelodeon and their efforts to promote LGBTQ efforts and, and, and exposure and getting those out there to kids and to, to other people. And I think that's just wonderful. And so I've got my clipboard here and I've got my pen here. So we're just going to go through a very quick checklist real quick. Okay. So we have gay people on the show, correct? Yes. Okay. That's fabulous. Fabulous. What about bisexuals? Because, you know, don't, don't worry about it. It's not too hard a question because, you know, bisexuals, they will do anyone. Jesus Christmas. They will do anyone. So bisexuals, we do. Okay, good. That's fabulous. What about transgenders? We do. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Those people are so high maintenance. So, so, so high maintenance. So thank God we've got, we've got that covered because if we didn't, oh, Jesus Christmas, they were just, oh, horrible, horrible. They bitch and come on and complain. Horrible. What about gender fluid? No, no. We really, you should think about that because gender fluid, they would really help to add, I think they would bring a lot of, of drama to any show that you've got because, you know, one day they got the, they're this and one day they're that and they just change all the time. They're a real headache in our community, but you could really do some great dramatic work with that on these shows. I mean, they would just, oh, okay, so I'm going to put that as the tentative check mark and we'll follow up with you. I'll put a, a note, we'll circle back on that one and we'll come and see what you've come up with in a couple of weeks. Now, this is very important. This is extremely important. What about the funky pronouns? Because we have got to make sure that the pronouns are delivered correctly. Do we have that covered? 
Oh, thank God, thank God. You don't know. If you think queens like us are difficult, if you think those transgenders are difficult, those people with the funky pronouns, my God, I cannot. You don't know how high it means to those people. It's, that would drive you nuts six ways to Sunday. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to double check on that. So that, folks, that is what uh, that is what Glad did when they uh, they sent those uh, those queens with clipboards over to Nickelodeon, and you you folks with the crumb crunchers have fun with that. This is our second follow-up story to that dopey country music star Morgan Wallen. This is from Fox News, and here's the headline. Morgan Wallen speaks out amid ongoing N-word controversy, says he was on 72-hour bender. Jesus, that man likes to drink. Country music star Morgan Wallen is speaking out as he continues to face fallout in his career after being caught on video using a racial slur. Last week, a video leaked featuring Wallen using the N-word, and since then, he's faced fierce backlash from the country music industry. He was deemed ineligible for this year's Academy of Country Music Awards, and his music has been pulled from iHeartRadio stations while he was also suspended by his record label. Wallen, 27, previously apologized for using the slur, but has remained silent since, and was recently even dropped by his talent agency, WME. On Wednesday evening, the singer took to Instagram to share an apology video. I'm long overdue to make a statement regarding my last incident, he said, adding that he took time to collect his thoughts and seek some real guidance. So Morgan is actually, folks, he is actually listening to me. What did I tell him to do on our last podcast? I told him to get out that checkbook and go find himself some woke capital B black minister to help him get out of trouble. The video you saw was me on hour 72 of a bender, and that's not something I'm proud of either, he admitted. And good God, white boy Malcolm X, 72 hours. That dumb idiot was out for 72 hours enjoying those adult beverages. Folks, I'll tell you what, even back in the day when I was around his age, the worst I would do, and that was back in Atlanta in the mid-90s, and they did have 24-hour bars there, not that I was there for 24 hours, much less 72 But uh, we used to go out to a bar called Backstreet, and that was a big dance club. And you'd show up there around midnight, 1 o'clock, and you'd dance all night. I know, time or two, we rolled out of there around 7 o'clock in the morning. But that was the exception, not the rule. But that was about it. And if you thought I was going to go for round two the next night, mm -mm, no, that that was it for the week. I got it out of my system. But this guy, he wakes up the next day, and he's like, boom, let's do it again. Obviously, the natural thing to do is to apologize further and continue to apologize because you got caught and that's not what I wanted to do. Wallen said he took time to apologize to the people in his life that he knew were personally hurt and engaged in some very real and honest conversations with leaders of various capital B black organizations. (laughs) Damn, could I not call that one? Could see that coming a mile away. He noted that he was nervous to engage in such conversations, and I'll tell you why, folks, because he was nervous that the amount they wanted him to put on that check was more than he had in his checkbook, despite the fact that a lot of you racist crackers out there keep buying his albums. And in fact, we had on the podcast on Wednesday show how many of you are going out that his uh, record sales are spiking. So he's making even more bank, and so he can write an even bigger check, but I bet that's why he was nervous, because he's like, crap, do I have that much money in my checking account? Anyway, picking back up, as he felt they had every right to step on my neck while I was down, but instead they offered me grace, and they also paired that with an offer to learn and to grow. 
as long as the check was big enough. On a more positive note, Wallen shared that he's now been sober for nine days since the video was taken. He admitted that nine days isn't a terribly long time. You got that right, Wallen. But it's long enough to recognize that he doesn't want to be the version of himself in the video. The star said the majority of his mistakes were made when he's not sober. So booze, God, booze made him, made him do it. And I tell you what, folks, and this is not bragging, but uh, in fact, probably more embarrassed than bragging, but I have been drunk a number of times in my life. <laughs> I've been really drunk uh, a number of times in my life, uh, more times in my past than, uh, than as of late. But uh, I don't know, I, I don't, I've never, I have to say this, I have never, ever, 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 ever gotten drunk and dropped that word. <laughs> And I don't know anyone else who's gotten drunk and just started throwing out the N-word. <laughs> I don't know if it's the booze, unless he's drinking some special kind of racist booze that makes him want to do that. But, uh, you know, my beer and my vodka cranberries back in the day, uh, you know, that word didn't come out of my mouth. So, you know, Morgan, you better, you better change your alcohol there if you don't want that to happen again. This story, this story, I might actually have to make an apology. I have to issue an an apology because I'll tell you what, we had a story on Wednesday's podcast and it was about the um, the incestuous relationship between the media and uh, and politicians, especially in the on the left. And this guy, this dopey guy, TJ Ducklow, who was a spokesman at the uh, or spokesperson, if you want to be politically correct about this, uh, at the White House, I called him and the picture bore me out, folks. Would you not agree, White Boy Malcolm X, that this the uh, of course you would. T.J. Ducklow, I just I called him a, a pansy. I called him a pajama boy. I called him a virgin. I mean, he, folks, he is the type of guy that would buy a sex doll <laughs> because that's as close as he is ever going to get to getting laid. But apparently he did find love somewhere, some dumb chick. But apparently, folks, he found a pair. <laughs> he, found, he found a spine. He found a pair between his legs. How's this headline? White House spokesman T.J. Ducklow suspended without pay for threatening reporter. Man, man, this guy actually wasn't as big a pansy as I thought he was. So I almost, well, let's dig into the article a little bit and we'll see if I actually have to issue an apology. White House spokesman T.J. Ducklow has been suspended without pay for threatening to destroy a Politico journalist for reporting about his relationship. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced the one-week suspension on Friday. And I think, White Boy Malcolm X, I think that's a dopey ginger chick. <laughs> she loves to say, I'm going to circle back to you on that one. So I think that's her. Saying Ducklow has apologized to the reporter, Tara Palmieri, and is the first to acknowledge that this is not the standard of behavior set out by the president. <laughs> so Jen Psaki is a liar as well. In addition to his initial apology, he has sent the reporter a personal note expressing his profound regret, Pisaki tweeted. Ducklow allegedly went berserk on Palmari, a former New York Post reporter, as she worked on a story about his secret relationship with Axios reporter Alexi McCammond. And I'm not quite sure why that needed to be a secret, because everyone just assumes that the press is sleeping with someone in, in political circles. The White House Deputy Press Secretary 32 called Palmieri threatening, I will destroy you. Whoa. If she went forward with the story, then accused her of being jealous that a different man had wanted to F McCayman and not you. God. No, I take that back. He's not really, um, 
He's not really kind of found up here. He's just acting like a bitchy queen. <laughs> he also accused Palmieri of being jealous that he was dating McCann. <laughs> this is Washington, D.C. for you. This is the uh, the ruling class for you <laughs> in the media and politics. It's just like high school. It's like a vicious pack of mean girls in high school. <laughs> He's just like a bitchy queen. i tell you what, though. This is kind of disturbing to me. That T.J. Ducklow is uh, is considered a stud about town. <laughs> he is, folks. He is a pajama boy. He is a he is a pansy. He is a pajama boy. He looks just like a virgin, and I don't care if he acts like a bitchy queen <laughs> threatening people. <laughs> You're just jealous. I'm not screwing you, God. And I tell you what, he is he is the type of weirdo. I bet you he doesn't have one sex doll at home. He probably has two or three, <laughs> at least two or three. So he has been suspended without pay for, I don't know, acting like a like a stupid little gay mean girl. <laughs> there you go. Mercy. You folks in D.C., man, you are driving us all into the ditch. This is from LGBTQ Nation. White boy, Malcolm X. How's this headline? Men who sound gay face more discrimination from straight people. <laughs> so, those queens with clipboards. Which is going to be very upset with this. Gay men who believe that they sound gay are more likely to be worried about discrimination. A study found and gay men were more likely to be worried about this than lesbian women. (laughs) It's because gay men are more neurotic. Everyone knows that. Sounding gay reflects common stereotypes associated with gay men that are still seen as negative, said Fabio Fasoli of the University of Surrey, the lead author behind the study. For a man, sounding gay implies not conforming to the norm of sounding masculine and heterosexual. The study, published last month in the British Journal of Social Psychology, surveyed straight and gay people and asked them about what they thought about the differences between the way gay and straight people talked and asked the straight people about their aversion to being around gay people. They found that straight people who believe that they can tell who is gay... (laughs) or straight, God, I can't imagine that, or straight based on their voices were more likely to have discriminatory attitudes towards gay people, especially towards gay men. Surprisingly, straight people who thought that gay voice is immutable, that is, that it's a deep difference between gay and straight people that can't be changed, were more likely to have discriminatory attitudes towards gay people. So these straight men, they're like, well, if they can't help it, I'm going to hate them even more. The researchers also found that gay men and lesbians who believed that they sound gay were more vigilant about how they present themselves, and others perceived them and reported more stress around that vigilance. And folks, I, I have no idea how a lesbian would, uh, would believe that they sound more gay unless they're like, uh, Hi, my name is Sheila, and uh, I'm a lesbian. Straight gay and lesbian people were all more likely to believe that gay men have more of a distinct voice than lesbian women. This is a fun study. Gay men are also more likely to think that their voices sound gay and were more likely to say they were vigilant about how they sound than lesbian women were. But, the researchers suggested, gay men might also be more likely to link their gender presentation with their sexual orientation when asked about it. A lesbian might talk about her gender expression in terms of gender, while a gay man might also be more likely to talk about his gender expression as an extension of his sexual orientation. That is, a gay man who believes he doesn't sound like straight men might say that he sounds gay, but a lesbian woman who thinks she doesn't sound like a straight woman may say that she sounds butch. (laughs) Hi there. 
Vesoli said that this might be a subtle form of discrimination since straight people are judging gay people by the sound of their voices, even if a gay person has never said that they're gay. I am aiming to continue studying people's experiences and ways of coping with stigma due to the gay voice stereotype, said Fasoli. This will provide us with important knowledge to be used in interventions, policies, and, uh-oh, equality training. So, sounds like those queens with clipboards have another job there. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for coming to our training today. Um, I've got my clipboard here. I've got my pen here. And I just... I have a question for you. Do, is there anyone here? Let's see a show of hands, please. Put your hands up. Does anyone here think that uh, that I sound gay? I mean, I know that's a crazy, crazy thing to think, but does anyone here? Oh, oh, everyone has their hands up. Oh, well, mercy. Um, so I, th- this could be a lot more training for you folks. <laughs> You're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Who knew, white boy Malcolm X, that uh, straight people are listening, uh, listening out for uh, gay voices and uh, and lesbian voices. And discriminating against us. But don't worry, those queens with clipboards will straighten them out. No pun intended soon enough. This is from WKBN 27 News. <sighs> you folks in Louisiana, Jesus Christmas, have you not had enough embarrassment? How's this headline? Not again. Gorilla Glue Challenge sends Louisiana man to the ER. So yet again, we're in Louisiana and yet again, Idiots with Gorilla Glue can't help themselves. A Louisiana native, and before we dig into this, folks, Summit Mistress, I know that you are not in Louisiana any longer, but you are a Louisiana native. Do not try this. Trust me. Stay away. Stop to it. Call your relatives. Tell them to cut it out as well. A Louisiana native has a message for anyone who wants to try the Gorilla Glue Challenge. Don't do it. In an exclusive interview, Len Martin said he did the challenge to prove that the viral video scene with Tessica Brown, who sprayed Gorilla Glue adhesive in her hair, and folks, is also now threatening to sue Gorilla Glue because they didn't put on their label, do not use this in your hair, was not as serious as she made it seem. Martin was seen on the Dr. Oz show in 2020 discussing his experience engaging in the ice cream challenge and consequences he faced, but he said he does not want to send out a bad message by doing these challenges, but yet he keeps doing them. Everyone is on social media. Every day there is a new challenge, but I did not think it would go this far, Martin said. <laughs> you people, and I know I'm not supposed to say you people, but you people, you stupid people out there who keep doing these challenges, <laughs> are you that starved for attention? And don't even try to say no because I know you are. Martin said he created the challenge. Oh, so this idiot created his own challenge. After the already viral video of another Louisiana native who used the adhesive in her hair. In a Facebook video, Martin said that he believed he could glue the red Solo cup to his lip and lick it right off. This led Martin to having to make a trip to the ER. Martin described what the doctor did as a painful peeling. The Louisiana native was told that if it does not heal correctly, the tip of his lip will have to be taken off via surgery. Martin says, this is not the challenge you want to try. Gorilla Glue, bless their hearts, God, they're like any other idiots out there going to be causing problems with our product. Gorilla Glue concurs with Martin. Do not do this exclamation point. The adhesive company released this statement from these poor, these poor folks in their media relations department. I hope they get overtime. Our spray adhesive states in the warning label, which apparently nobody's reading, do not swallow, do not get in eyes, on skin, or on clothing. 
It is used for craft, home, auto, or office projects to mount things to surfaces such as paper, cardboard, wood, laminate, and fabric. And what I have told the uh, the folks over at Gorilla Glue before, and I will tell them again if you are listening to this podcast, please, please make sure to put in there to advise queens not to use that as lube. Because <laughs> you know, folks, some dumb queen is going to be running out of lube. She's going to have some man over and she'll be like, I need some lube. And she's going to get that Gorilla Glue and you're going to have a really ugly situation where two queens are glued to each other in the ER, probably in Louisiana, and if not there, then in Florida. Speaking of New Orleans, we'll have two back-to-back stories in New Orleans, might as well. So folks, we have had uh, we had a story about some perv who worked for ADT, and when he was setting up people's home security systems, he was accessing their home cameras, and he was filming all sorts of fun. He was filming women running around, and people having sex and he accessed accounts i think it was north of ten thousand times over a five-year period and we had a uh, another story and this was also a louisiana story out of jefferson parish where we had another creeper and he was going into the uh, the bathrooms at big box stores and he was filming men going to the bathroom and i think he filmed over a hundred men doing that and so now we have a third creeper Filming the folks, and this is another one looking at the ladies, and here's the headline. Kenner Plummer accused of secretly recording lewd videos of female customers, police say. A Kenner Plummer is facing video voyeurism charges for allegedly using his cell phone to secretly record upskirt and other lewd videos of female customers, police said. Carlton Woody Smith, and that folks, Woody... (laughs) Of all nicknames to have, this creeper, Carlton Smith, has the uh, the nickname Woody as he films <laughs> up ladies' dresses. 57 was arrested Wednesday following an investigation by the Kenner Police Department, said Lieutenant Michael Cunningham. As of Friday, investigators had identified at least two victims, but police are still trying to identify about 15 women who appear to have been recorded by Smith without their knowledge, according to Cunningham. Good God, can you see White Boy Malcolm X, these police officers, watching the panty cam, <laughs> watching, whose dress is that? Whose who's vajayjay is that? Look at those panties. Oh, maybe I'll take these videos home too. <laughs> God. Oh, sick, sick, sick. I think this is almost as bad as whoever, whatever poor soul had to watch those, uh, those, all those guys peeing in Jefferson, <laughs> Jefferson Parish and figuring out who they were. Detectives also seized other electronic devices from Smith that have not yet been searched. There will be more victims, Cunningham said. It's an ongoing investigation. Detectives determined the videos were recorded over a two-year period while Smith performed plumbing work. While on a job with a female customer, he would press record on his cell phone's video camera function and place the device in a strategic location, according to authorities. Smith would then call the women over, ostensibly to ask a question or explain the plumbing problem, according to Cunningham. If the customer was wearing a dress, he would have the phone on the ground recording upward and have the customer walk over his phone, Cunningham said. Smith would sometimes record the women from behind as she faced a different direction and bent down for something, according to authorities. Some of the videos depicted very private areas of the female customers, Cunningham said. And you can say that again. Woody was arrested Wednesday and booked with four counts of video voyeurism. He was released Thursday from the Jefferson Parish Correctional Center in Gretna on a $20,000 bond. (laughs) Not one, but two creepers, and I'm sure there are more in Louisiana, filming people doing things they shouldn't be filming. Anyway, 
So this is our first of two smoking gun stories. And this one, I just, hey, like I said, folks, I think this this could have ended the program, but uh, we're going to put it halfway through the show. And here's the headline. No jail in Cinnabon roll rage case. The Florida man who threw a large rock through the window of a Wendy's after discovering the fast food joint was no longer selling Cinnabon rolls has been convicted of two criminal charges, but has been spared jail according to court records. In a deal with prosecutors, Dustin Tyrell, 21, <laughs> so a spoiled brat Gen Z kid, I want my Cinnabon rolls. We want my Cinnabon rolls. No Cinnabon rolls. Why am I going to get me a window and throw a temper tantrum? God. pleaded no contest to criminal mischief and throwing a missile into an occupied building. While the felonies, holy crap, white boy Malcolm X, if you attack a Wendy's with a rock while you're having a fit over no more Cinnabon rolls, that is a felony in the state of Florida. Man, I've been joking that they've been cracking down, but pff, they've been cracking down. Carried a combined statutory maximum of 20 years in prison. Tyler was sentenced to, of course, four years probation during a January 28th circuit court hearing. Tyrell was also ordered to stay away from a Wendy's in Key West and have no contact with the restaurant's owner or his family. Additionally, Tyrell must also pay more than $4,300 in restitution for damages caused to the eatery. As detailed in an arrest report, Tyrell was collared outside the Wendy's on Duval Street, the main drag in Key West. A witness told cops she saw Tyrell repeatedly throw a rock at the window until it passed through the glass in the crowded restaurant. When a passerby asked why he targeted Wendy's, Tyrell reportedly replied, they don't sell Cinnabons anymore. (laughs) You Gen Z kids, you are as hysterical as the millennials. Police collected the grapefruit-sized rock thrown by Tyrell and entered into evidence. Tyrell had been free on a $15,000 bond following his July 2019 arrest, but his bond was revoked following an October 2020 bust for allegedly punching his father in the face. And I can only imagine what dad said to him that threw that fit. God. So Dustin Tyrell, another spoiled, spoiled brat there. This is from Tal Road, and here's the headline. Iran subjects LGBTQ children to electric shock, hormone treatments, and medical torture, according to UN report. A new report from the United Nations denounces Iran for imposing electric shock, hormone treatment, and psychoactive drugs on LGBTQ youth. The Jerusalem Post reports, the UN Special Rapporteur for the Islamic Republic of Iran, Javid Rehman, wrote that he is concerned at reports that lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender children were subjected to electric shocks and the administration of hormones and strong psychoactive medications, These practices amount to torture and cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment and violate the state's obligations under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and the Convention on the Rights of the Child. According to the UN report, the Special Rapporteur regrets that individuals who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender experience human rights violations and widespread discrimination. Senior officials describe the community in hateful terms, including by labeling individuals as subhuman and diseased. The death penalty can be imposed for consensual sexual activity between members of the same sex in the Islamic Republic of Iran. And I'm sure you folks are like, Miller, why are you reading us this story? And the only reason I'm reading it, folks, obviously I'm not making light of this in any 
any way, shape, or form. But we had a story on on Wednesday's podcast, and it involved a spoiled, hysterical 19-year-old queen. And he was suing, suing the Department of Education because he didn't like Christian groups getting funding because at that point he didn't feel safe. I don't feel safe if the Christians have funding because he was all dramatic about, you know, the Christian groups will get funding and they'll be like, ah, let's go get those homosexuals. Let's let's get our cross and let's get our, our school funding and let's go hunt homosexuals and let's go get them. <laughs> and he was just being a drama queen. He was just being some silly, silly drama queen. And, you know, if you're out there, you dumb drama queen or anyone like you, you know, you run around and you, and you cry and complain about all this fictitious abuse and how horrible it is that a Christian group on a college campus is going to get funding like it's going to end your life. And I want you all to think long and hard about what actual real harassment and abuse looks like before you run around complaining about your, you know, your first world white privilege. <laughs> you know, that dopey kid was another, you know, spoiled white kid. You complain about all these horrible things that are not really horrible in the scheme of things. Some Christian group gets some funding on a college campus. It's not the end of your world. It's not the end of anything for anyone, but you want to act like it is. And if you're one of these uh, capital B black groups and you want your special safe spaces like they do on DePaul University because you're like closet racist everywhere out to lynch you, (laughs) you know, that kind of BS. I mean, you really have to look at what really the horrible things that goes on in the world today to take appreciation of what you really have. I mean, those LGBT children in Iran, I guarantee you any day of the week they would trade places with that spoiled 19-year-old brat on his California campus. They would they would take that in a heartbeat. That would be nirvana to them because they actually have to go through horrible abuses. They are actually tortured. They are actually targeted. Some of them are put to death And these queens in the U.S. that kvetch about the dumbest things and they act like it's the end of the world and they act like it is the worst thing to happen to anyone at any time ever. So I feel bad for those kids in uh, in Iran and I hope there's a special place in hell for anyone doing that to those kids. And speaking of of overly dramatic (laughs) people, here's this headline. Daughter of Lombardi Trophy designer wants apology from Tom Brady. Tom Brady's Lombardi Trophy boat throw that went viral Wednesday, which I didn't see, didn't even know about until I found this article, didn't go over well with one Fort Myers, Florida woman who said the toss was an insult, an insult, folks, to her family's legacy. It just upset me that this trophy was disgraced and disrespected by being thrown as if it was a real football, Lorraine Groves told Fox 4. During the Buccaneers' boat parade on the Hillsborough River to celebrate Tampa Bay's Super Bowl 2021 victory over the Chiefs, which on this podcast, folks, we have determined could possibly be due to white supremacy, the 43-year-old quarterback tossed the Lombardi Trophy from his yacht to someone on another boat. That upset Groves, who is the daughter of Greg Groves, the master silversmith at Tiffany & Company from 1967 to 1994, who crafted the very first Vince Lombardi trophy. She said the seven-time Super Bowl champion disrespected the trophy and the people that work on it. I have a big history of this trophy being made by my father, and it's such an honor, and I know all the craftsmen that made it when my dad was there also at Tiffany's, and it takes a lot of hard work, Groves said. Now Groves wants Brady to say he's sorry. 
I personally would like an apology, not just to me and my family and the other Silversmiths, but to the fans, all the football fans, the other team players, she said. Gro told the network that Brady's trophy toss made her so upset that she had sleepless nights. So folks, Tom Brady taking a trophy and tossing it over to someone else <laughs> made this woman so hysterical that she could not sleep at night over the fact that he treated the passion her father put into the trophy so lightly. Gross, who said she isn't a big football fan, always waits for the end of the Super Bowl so she can watch the Lombardi Trophy celebration that goes to the Super Bowl winner. And I can just see her sitting in the bar with other folks, humble bragging about that damn trophy. My father, he crafted that trophy. That trophy's so wonderful. That trophy. People are like, I wish this stupid woman would shut about that damn trophy. Just a trophy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lorraine, dear. My God. I tell you what, White Boy Macamax, this chick, Lorraine here, who such a drama queen, she can't even sleep because this, this trophy's being molested by Tom Brady. She is acting, folks. She is acting like it is the holy chalice that Christ himself drank from. It's just, lady, it is just a stupid football trophy. God, get a grip. I can't sleep at night. He took the trophy and he threw it to someone else. And my father was doing on the trophy. <laughs> Okay, then, Lorraine. Okay. I'd find another hobby. I'd find something else to... Uh, that is not the hill, folks. That is not the hill I would die on. <laughs> I guess in Lorraine's life, I guess it is. Oh, dear God. Sorry, folks. There is more nuttiness on college campuses. Here's the headline. Oregon promotes teacher program that seeks to undo racism in mathematics. So, yes, folks, math is racist. The Oregon Department of Education, and folks, I cannot imagine what a, uh, what an insane asylum that uh, that place is. Recently, encouraged teachers to register for training, and folks, when they say encouraged, they they're like, you better damn well do it. That encourages ethnomathematics and argues, among other things, that white supremacy manifests itself in the focus on finding the right answer. An ODE newsletter sent last week advertises a February 21 Pathway to Math Equity microcourse, which is designed for middle school teachers to make use of a toolkit for dismantling racism in mathematics. The event website identifies the event as a partnership between California's San Mateo County Office of Education, the Education Trust West, and others. Part of the toolkit includes a list of ways white supremacy culture allegedly infiltrates math classrooms. These include the focus on getting the right answer, <laughs> students being required to show their work, and other alleged manifestations. Damn! Damn, white boy Malcolm X, I, I was born a couple decades too late. Man, I could have cruised through school, folks. If I could just get away in math, I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Teacher's like, uh, no. And I'd be like, it does to me. So screw you, teach. You are a racist. You are a white supremacist if you're not taking my answer. So... Damn it, damn it, I missed, missed that opportunity. The concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, and teaching it is even much less so, the document for the Equitable Math Toolkit reads. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate objectivity as well as fear of open conflict. The OED, led by Colt Gill, confirmed the letter. ODE Communications Director Mark Siegel also defended the Equitable Math Education Program, saying it helps educators learn key tools for engagement, 
develop strategies to improve equitable outcomes for Black, Latinx, and multilingual students, and join communities of practice. So obviously Mark Siegel, folks, if he's using the word Latinx, is just another snooty white liberal. An associated dismantling racism workbook linked within the toolkit similarly identifies objectivity, described as the belief that there is such a thing as being objective or neutral, as a characteristic of white supremacy. Instead of focusing on one right answer, the toolkit encourages teachers to come up with at least two answers that might solve this problem. So going back to, uh, to 2 plus 2, yes, it equals 4, but it can also equal 8. It could equal 16. It could equal, I don't know, who gives a crap, apple pie. <laughs> so who cares what the answer is, as long as the student feels good. It adds, challenge standardized test questions by getting the right answer, but justify other answers by unpacking the assumptions that are made in the problem. It also encourages teachers to center ethnomathematics, which includes a variety of guidelines. One of them instructs educators to identify and challenge the ways that math is to uphold capitalist, imperialist, and racist views. <laughs> Man, those people are continuing down that warpath. And I can see where this will eventually blow up in their faces. I can see what this is going to be like. Yeah, we probably better rethink this. <laughs> And if you're like, well, Miller, Miller, how would uh, how would that come about? Uh, oh, for example, let's say um, engineering, right? Engineering is a very in-demand field these days, and it is very, very, very math-based, right? You have to have these very precise calculations on things, especially, say, if you are a civil engineer or if you are, say, an aerospace engineer. So I guess at some point, if you're going to allow people who say that, uh, you know, 2 plus 2 equals, I don't know, pick a number, <laughs> a million, you can, you know, they're going to go into engineering programs and you obviously can't fail them out of there anyway. So then they're going to go on to, say, those folks in Oregon, they're going to drive up to Seattle, go to work for Boeing, or they're going to go work somewhere else. So suddenly you're going to have like highway bridges collapsing. <laughs> you're going to have airplanes literally falling out of the sky because, uh, you know, the math involved in calculating weight loads on highways and weight loads or stress tolerances in airplanes just, you know, hey, who gives a crap about the math? As long as the uh, engineer designing it feels good about themselves and they feel like they've rooted out that white supremacy, I've gotten that white supremacy out of this math equation, ah, they're going to have to rethink that at some point. But it's going to take a little time. It's going to take uh, some, uh, some fun with the, uh, the next crop of engineers. Just you wait, folks. Just you wait. I just hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm not on that highway when it goes down. This is from Blaze Media, and here's this headline. X-Plan Parenthood employee claims trans kids are cash cows for abortion provider. <laughs> Just when you think it can't get any worse. A former employee of Planned Parenthood is speaking out about the organization's abhorrent transgender activism and revealing that trans-identifying kids have become a cash cow for the number one provider of abortion in America. Wall Street Journal contributor and author Abigail Schreier interviewed the former employee, who spoke to her anonymously for her February 8th newsletter and described how, as a reproductive health assistant, she was responsible for providing hormone prescriptions to teenage girls who identify as boys and request them. According to her testimony, no doctors were present to evaluate the teenage girls her Planned Parenthood clinic serviced, the girls were not always accompanied by a parent, and the clinic manager responsible for deciding who should receive testosterone or other hormones had no prior medical experience. And this reminds me, folks, we did have an article a few months ago. It was out of England where they were doing, you know, telehealth for for kids like 
I think I'm a girl or I think I'm a boy. And they were like, oh, okay, here's a prescription. <laughs> you know, And one hour telehealth, that's all that took. But uh, here, I guess in the U.S., you can pull up to your Planned Parenthood and they don't give a crap. <laughs> they don't even bother to ask, where are your folks? Some 14-year-old girl comes in and is like, I think I'm a boy. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> you know. Here's your prescription, young lady. Oh, oops, sorry, sorry, young man. Here's your prescription. Keep coming back for more. You're going to need a lot of those. Bring your cash. We, t- we like cash. That's good. The former employee described how many of the patients who came to Planned Parenthood seemed to have serious emotional issues. A lot of them had a history of abuse and baggage. Some also had self-harm scars or fresh self-harm marks, but the employee claims Planned Parenthood would not address these issues before moving on to recommend affirming the patient's self-diagnosis of gender dysphoria and recommending hormone treatment, which contains serious risks, including decreased sexual function, increased health risks, sterility, and more. The ex-employee also described how providing cross-sex hormone treatments to trans-identifying children is a lucrative business for Planned Parenthood. Trans-identifying kids are cash cows, and they are kept on the hook for the foreseeable future in terms of follow-up appointments, blood work, meetings, etc., whereas abortions are hopefully a one-and-done situation, the ex-employee said. Schreier notes that in recent years, Planned Parenthood has become one of the largest providers of hormone therapy for trans individuals in the nation. My God. Those folks at Planned Parenthood, man, they are clever. On the upside, though, folks... Especially if you are pro-life. That is one way to end abortion. If you, if you turn all the women into men, <laughs> you can make, first off, you can eliminate abortions. And then you can also make huge bank in the process. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, these women are, once they, once they go men, they are not going to get knocked up. <laughs> okay, then. That is that. Oh, Jesus Christmas. How did this wind up in my pile? This is a USA Today story. I don't even know if I'm going to read too much of this. Gorilla Glue hair mishap. So, yes, folks, we are coming back to Gorilla Glue. We can't get enough of that stuff. Comes to an end. Highlights lack of awareness about black hair care. And that's capital B, black folks, so you know it's real black hair. All Tessica Brown wanted was for hair to be laid. But instead, she found herself in a scary, sticky situation. Brown went viral when she turned to social media for help after using heavy-duty Gorilla Glue spray on her hair to keep it in place after running out of got-to-be-glued hairspray, which she noted was a bad, bad, bad idea. On Thursday, TMZ shared footage of Brown after she finally had the glue removed with the help of a plastic surgeon. And here, folks, here, here is where we get into a lack of awareness. The reality is that sometimes black women need to venture outside of the hair care aisle to find products that work. Mayonnaise, olive oil, and avocados. Oh, who the hell is putting mayonnaise and avocados in their hair? Good God. They must stink. Are all used for hairstyling purposes. The View co-host, Sonny Hostin, weighed in on the debate. So <laughs> I can't wait for this intellectual heft to uh, chime in there. Addressing the history of black hair and professionalism. So many are being dismissive of hashtag Gorilla Glue Girl. Given the history of how black women are targeted and still battle the pervasive belief that our natural hair is unprofessional, unkept, or in some way a statement, please show her some grace and understanding host and tweet. (laughs) So I guess, folks, there there is systemic racism even in hair products. If, If capital B black women are forced to go down the mayonnaise aisle and go get some of that and go get some olive oil and uh, go get some avocados and 
mix up themselves a little batter and throw that in their hair. And I hope they're not triggering any millennials who are like, I could have used that avocado on my toast this morning and you put it in your hair. (laughs) There you go. I knew. I knew they would find a way to blame Whitey on this dumb woman putting Gorilla Glue in her hair. White boy Malcolm X, we are almost done. We got uh, we got three stories left. Man, we have been flying through these puppies. This one is from the Hollywood Reporter, and here's the headline: Colin Kaepernick. God, Colin Kaepernick, folks. He is our favorite fake social justice warrior here on the Miller Frost Show. But Colin Kaepernick eyeing one billion acquisition through new investment vehicle. Hmm. Let's find out about that. On the heels of a first-look deal with Disney and ultra-successful Nike campaign, Colin Kaepernick is forming a special-purpose acquisition company that's raising $250 million in its initial public offering according to a Tuesday SEC filing. The company, Mission Advancement Corporation, is co-founded by John Nahavi and plans to acquire an approximately $1 billion company that has the potential to create a positive social and cultural impact. That target hasn't been identified yet, but the filing indicates that they're looking for a business that reflects these three themes. One, consumers are investing in brands that reflect their social values and recognize that purchasing decisions can act as instruments of change. Two, companies are becoming more mission-driven and seeking to align with culturally relevant social causes. Three, brands are evolving into media platforms, enabling authentic cultural and celebrity influencers to help drive awareness, marketing, exposure, and value. Mission Advancement Corp. And that's, folks, that is basically the definition of a woke corporation. Mission Advancement Corporation will leverage Kaepernick's brand marketing and investment experience with his mainstream popularity, massive reach, and high-profile relationships to attract investors. And after making the acquisition, he intends to remain hands-on as an owner, board member, and global ambassador. Nahavi and Kaepernick's commitment to their social mission is reflected in the formation of the independent board, made up of 100% black, indigenous, and people of color, and has a female majority states the filing. Well, that's kind of racist. God. There's not even a token white person in there. They didn't invite any of us in there, white boy Malcolm X. Not even you and your fake black. In addition, our team has indicated an intent to launch an initiative in connection with the consummation of our initial business combination to provide opportunities for college students from underrepresented communities to gain access to fellowships and full-time opportunities in business and finance. Whew, man, that was that was exhausting just reading all that. God. Like I said, folks, like I've said several times, Colin Kaepernick is a fake, fake woke social justice warrior. Good God. I mean, this guy, his shtick, running around complaining about racism and white supremacy and white power and white privilege and being oppressed. And it's so hard being Colin. Poor Colin. He can't get drafted by an NFL team. It's so hard being Colin. And Colin, folks, he is going out and buying himself a billion-dollar company. So his deal with Disney, his woke deal with Nike, he is just another. That's what he's turning into, another rich black guy whining like a little bitch about white privilege. And he is not oppressed whatsoever. Although, now that I think about it, you know what he's going to say, folks. He's going to be out there. Like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm only worth a, a couple hundred million dollars with my new woke social justice company. And, and if it hadn't been for systemic racism, I'd be a billionaire like Oprah. <laughs> oh, God. 
I hope you woke liberals out there like being used to get folks like Colin Kaepernick rich, 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 rich. <laughs> They're going to like craft their company and be like, ah, oh, I got to go buy from Colin's company because he's so woke and he's so down for the struggle. No, he's just out there getting rich just like the rest of them. <laughs> They came to do good, and they, they're going to do very well indeed, folks. Don't worry. Next time you hear Colin Kaepernick out there whining like a little bitch about how oppressed he is, just remember, folks, he is going to be making huge bank to the end of time. Good God. Another fake one. Can't stand those people. This, folks, this is not even our last story, but we're going to Florida early. We are just. I figured let's go to Florida and just stay there and ride it out the rest of the program. How's this headline? Florida cousins wrangle massive python on their property. My God, what a snake. (laughs) And white boy Malcolm X, can you imagine how many times that has been screamed out when there have been two men together? (laughs) And Florida cousins, so you never know what that's going to be about. Two Florida cousins say they have wrangled a 300-pound, 16-foot-long Burmese python Okay, so a different kind of snake on their family property outside of Tampa. The massive snake, which is the biggest ever reported to be found in Zolfo Springs, was first spotted alongside the road by Aaron Brown, who then called in his cousin, William Wilkerson, for help, according to Fox 13. I can see that. William, William, get down here. There's a damn big snake down here. Get down here. Okay, Aaron, I'm on my way. I'll get my pickup truck. Come on there. Once we pulled him out, it was like, my God, what a snake, Wilkerson told the station. (laughs) The pair hooked and shot the snake. So one of these idiots brought out a gun and was shooting that damn snake. (laughs) Typical Florida. Before learning it weighed hundreds of pounds and was 16 feet, 4 inches long, Fox 13 reported. We measured him and laid him down and the two kids down beside him to get a rough idea and ended up finding a tape measure, Wilkinson said. The reptile was then handed over to Dustin Crum, a snake hunter. I'm sure that's quite the job. I am Dustin Crum, and I'm here to go hunt those snakes. I, uh, I hope, though, White Boy Malcolm X, I hope he was not down uh, in, uh, in Miami Beach. After he took the—yeah, there are plenty of them down there. After he took the snake to be skinned, 100 eggs were reportedly found inside. So that Burmese python, folks, she was a slut. We are down in the Everglades trying to stop these pythons from migrating further north in all directions, Crum told Fox 13. Hopefully this is a rogue snake and they haven't migrated this far north. These boys stopped an invasion by eliminating a big breeding snake like that. There you go, folks. Those two dopey cousins got their gun and shot that snake. Shot that snake good. Taught her a lesson. And here is our smoking gun story. And I hope this was... uh, Worth the wait, Florida man, 23, arrested following indecent civil rights protest. A Florida man arrested yesterday for indecent exposure told police that he was protesting for civil rights by showing his penis to traffic, according to a criminal complaint. So this one, where's the snake hunter? I <laughs> got this dope. Oh my God. Cops charged that Riley James Cushman, 23, was spotted alongside a roadway in Palm Harbor, a Tampa suburb, with his pants down to his knees holding his penis while facing traffic in a vulgar manner. Hmm, I can only imagine that. Upon spotting a sheriff's deputy around 3.30 p.m., Cushman pulled up his pants and began walking away. When subsequently confronted by the cop, Cushman reportedly explained that he was protesting for civil rights by showing his penis to traffic, 
but was now finished and wanted to go home. Okay, officer. I, I was just, I'm done now, but I was just out here for civil rights. I was out here. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> you see that? Cushman's display resulted in his arrest for exposure of sexual organs, a misdemeanor. Of course, it's Florida. I'm surprised there was even a charge for that. He was booked into the county jail where he is being held in lieu of a $150 bond. God. This poor guy, folks, Riley James Cushman, is stuck in jail over 150 bucks. White boy Malcolm X, we should uh, bail this dopey kid out. <laughs> Send down the 150 bucks. Here you go, kid. Go free. Cushman has pleaded not guilty to the indecency charge. According to state records, Cushman is registered to vote from his family's residence in Dunedin, about four miles from Palm Harbor. The civil rights protester is a registered Republican. <laughs> Poor kid is in jail, folks. You know, if he'd only burned down, if he'd only burned down a couple of stores and done some looting, they would have let him go scot-free. No, he's got to whip his dick out. Boom, there it is. Snake Hunter wasn't around to catch him, so he was out there for God knows how long, showing the folks, showing the folks his uh, his Johnson there until the popo showed up, and he's stuck there for a hundred and fifty dollars. Surely, folks. We can do a fundraising campaign here at the Miller Frost Show to bail bail Riley James Cushman out of jail. And I will think about how to do that. Maybe maybe an OnlyFans or something like that. People pay me to not to show stuff. Here's $150. Go away, Miller. Go away. Anyway, on that note, folks, hey, thank you so much for stopping by the Miller Frost Show on our podcast today. Remember, you can get hold of me at my email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. I think we are back here on Wednesday, correct? Yeah, we are certainly going to try. We, uh, we'll see how this uh, this week goes. But in the meantime, have a great uh, rest of your weekend. Have a good start to your week, and we will see you soon. Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.